0: Sports Radio 92.9, the game. time to play the game. Time to
1: play the game.
0: <laughs> it may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local. And not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises. Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit, you got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404 929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game.
1: Welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you here in the Kia studios with you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. Take your Lexus speakers. You can use your tablet, your Roomba, your Palm Pilot, your Walkman, Whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And the best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I am at JMCH316. That is your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. On the other side of the glass, he's our part-time regular producer, whatever at underscore Dylon Matthews. Dylon, Dylon, mm-hmm. Dylon,
0: Dylon, and Dylon.
1: Okay. We get all of them in or? Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure that we uh, we get all of this uh, stuff in there. So
0: uh, what's going on in the world?
1: Um, you know, listen, I am uh, officially back. So
0: The king has returned.
1: Yes. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, we'll try to. You know, can condense this speech and what have you, and all that, and kind of fill you in. So, December fifteenth, I had a stroke, and it was not a it was not a severe stroke, and and it wasn't a mild stroke; it was a moderate stroke. Um, on it was on a Thursday at I don't know three four o'clock in the afternoon, and when I tell you that, it just felt like my brain hit a reset button. You know, like that power button on your computer and, and you've got to reboot everything and it takes a few minutes and, you know, it gets bogged down. My brain just hit a complete complete reset. I mean, It just felt like that. And I talked to my daughter. So she gets home a little bit after 4 o'clock from school. So I talked to her not too long after it happened. And she had noticed that my speech was slurred and – I was having trouble, you know, speaking and getting some words out and things like that. And then I actually, I, I talked to Mark Zino later that evening. We were talking about something, you know, separate, you know, podcast related and all that that kind of stuff. And I was having trouble just getting the words out of my mouth with what I wanted to say. And I went to bed pretty early. Like, I, I went to sleep. I, I kind of just passed out on that Thursday night and I got up Friday morning to do my podcast just like normal and you know I do it with Jarvis. Jarvis produces. He doesn't host with me but he produces me and and we're both on and I went to do my podcast and I just literally couldn't speak. Like I couldn't get words out of my mouth. I couldn't formulate a sentence. I could... Speaking just little blips and bloops and blurps and stuff like that, words, phrases, and stuff. But I couldn't put together a coherent thought. I, I couldn't put together a full sentence. And Jarvis is like, Man, are you okay? And Jarvis's wife was in the room and just listening in. And she was like, He doesn't sound good. He, he, something is, is wrong. And they got a hold of my ex wife and. They, um, uh, they called her and then uh, Jarvis's wife called an ambulance and they took me to the emergency room to North Fulton Hospital where I spent the weekend <laughs> getting MRIs done, CAT scans. Uh, they did ultrasound. I mean, they did everything. Because, you know, I had the heart attack for a little over four years ago. So, you know, it was a situation where it is kind of all related in, in some form or fashion, but... um but the, the, part of my, the part of my brain that was affected was my speech, you know, language and speech, that part of the brain. Wasn't motor skills, you know, wasn't anything vision. I didn't have any droopiness. I, I was able to, to chew, to swallow. I didn't have any, like, facial paralysis. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any physical things that sometimes you associate with a stroke. You know, like, and I've got the magnet on my refrigerator now. You know, it's it's got the checklist of things. If you know, hey, look and see if you're having a stroke or whatever like that. It's there's some kind of acronym for it all, but you know, it's fast.
0: We we actually have a PSA for it here on the radio station.
1: Okay, but well, yeah, but, fast. I but, think, but I no, isn't it? But it's it's got like be fast or something like that.
0: Like they might have added to it since yeah. then. That's an old PSA.
1: Yeah, I mean <laughs> it's you know it's it's like the breathe easies but anyway um, so I, you know i spent uh, the weekend before christmas uh, in the hospital I was there friday saturday sunday and uh, um, you know it's you know it's been an adventure um, i certainly you know have gotten better each and every day um, so look here's the thing you know I, and I, I did a i did a session last week with a, a speech therapist i'm doing one tomorrow So listen, I I promise you, like I, I forget things and, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm probably no more or no less brain dead than I was before, you know, I, you know, as far as remembering things or this, that, and the other, you know, but like, for instance, I'll, I'll ask Dylan to film. Now (laughs) I say that though, like anybody born before the year 2000, you know, I might not be able to get the, you know, a straight answer out of them or, or the right answer out of them. So um it might be kind of leery so you know my my frame of reference might be about the same as his right now but anyway um but no I, you know i'm i'm getting better every day uh, we did a show friday night after the hawks game and i thought i sounded pretty good uh, i've been doing my podcast regularly for the last couple of weeks and been doing full episodes and you know i'm i'm getting better all the time you know so Um, we're going through some speech therapy and we'll see how all this goes. This will be my first foray into a four hour show. So, you know, I'll probably forget, you know, 14 different things that, that are going on with uh, all of it. But, and again, I said this with Mike and Carl, um, you know, I've got the best coworkers, like everybody reached out to me. Uh, Randy was so, Randy's so funny. You know, Randy, when I had my heart attack, Randy was calling the the hospital and, and everything trying to track me down. Randy was calling the hospital uh, when I had my stroke and everything, and he was tracking me down, but everybody has been just the best. I mean, you know, Mike and Carl, Andy and Randy, John and Hugh, I mean, everybody has reached out, all the, you know, Conti and everybody else, you know, here at the office, Rick Caffey, everybody has been just, you know, just the best. I mean, I've got the best coworkers, and I thank each and every one of them for their support, man. I mean, you know, Conti and Rick Caffey, You know, they've been nothing but supportive uh, of my efforts. And, you know, it's been since, you know, what, uh, if it happened on the 15th, like Tuesday the 13th, since I, you know, since the last time I was on, you know, and obviously we did a a show after Hawks like a couple of hours, but this is my first full show until like, you know, since uh, December like 13th. So we missed everything. I mean, Christmas and New Year's and Georgia and – Falcons end of season and everything like that. So, and I watched it all. I mean, I, I kept up with it. I mean, I was, you know, when, even when the, uh, the Falcons were playing their last, I guess, uh, let's see. I think it was the weekend of the Saints game. I think it, I think, I think it was Sunday versus <clears throat> the New Orleans Saints that uh, when I got home. May, no, may, no, maybe it was the Ravens game. I think it was the Ravens game. So I think it was the last four games of the year. Yeah, because they were in, they were in Baltimore, in New Orleans, and then home with Arizona and home with, uh, with uh, Tampa Bay. So it was the last four games of the year. So I was watching and keeping up. And, you know, I tweeted out some stuff at jamesh316, tweeted out some stuff and gave some thoughts about the Hawks and stuff like that. But really I haven't had a chance to comment on. Like I said, I mean, I feel like I missed everything. You know, I feel like you know, Georgia's national championship game and, you know, the parade and everything surrounding that and stakes tweet and everything else that goes along with it. And, you know, the Falcons uh, end of the season. And uh, heck, I guess I was even, uh, I was even off during Dansby's. I think I was off during Dan when Dansby signed with the Cubs. Right. I mean, so, so it feels like I've missed a whole bunch of stuff uh, out there, but we're back. Uh, I'm not saying we're better than ever. And, you know, I'll, there'll certainly be some moments where I'll just kind of lose my train of thought, and you know, get kind of mixed up with my words and things like that. That's going to happen over four hours. Heck, that was going to happen before my stroke. You know, in all honesty, I mean, it was it was going to happen before all of this. But um, certainly getting better every single day and uh, feeling better. And you know, physically, I didn't have any real, I didn't have any real issues or anything like that. It was all just speech and language and you know every day has gotten better for all of it so uh i thank you for all of your well wishes uh, out there so uh, a couple of quick things to get into here uh hawks lose again to the bulls too many turnovers man i mean this is back-to-back games they you know they average about 13 turnovers a game and they've had 34 in their last couple of games uh, too many turnovers too many points off turnovers and it's always something with the Hawks. Now, we'll talk to Brad Rowland coming up here at 740. He's uh, from Locked on Hawks. And uh, we'll get his thoughts about this team because it's maddening. You know, I'll talk about this more a little bit uh, later on. It's maddening to watch the Hawks. And, and I just – I can't – you know, even as brain dead as I am, I can't put my finger on what exactly the Hawks' problem is. You know, turnovers – you know, obviously, you know all the drama, you know uh, behind the scenes and Schlenk and all that kind of stuff, and Trey and Nate and all that. But then it's also been health and okay, five game winning streak we were on after the Knicks game. Okay, they were they had a five game winning streak, and you felt like okay, there's there's a lot of good stuff going on here. They're healthy now. They're getting back on track, and then you lose to the Hornets. Okay maybe I chalked that up to back-to-back nights, right? You played Friday, you played Saturday. Okay, they haven't been very good in back-to-back. Charlotte beat Atlanta earlier in the year. Okay, and then, you know, the Bulls game last night. And, you know, the Hawks will look to get back on track. I mean, they're at Oklahoma City against another dreadful team, you know, and they got to get a win. I mean, you know, it. At this point, everything feels like a playoff game, right? Like, every night is a playoff night. And Hawks got to dig themselves out of some kind of hole. I mean, I think they're eighth in the Eastern Conference right now. And, you know, pretty much like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 are all within a game or two of one another. And I think it's not until you get to like 11 or 12, see that, that they're, you know, four or five games out. But every game feels like a playoff game for the Hawks right now. And... You know, I'm going to be curious to see what this team does at the uh, at the trade deadline because I don't I don't really I don't have a grasp on if Tony Wrestler wants to get in the luxury tax. They're 1.9 million dollars away. We talked about that the other night. 1.9 million dollars away from the luxury tax. Do the Hawks add players? Do they add pieces? You don't figure that they're going to add a starter, or do they cut ties on some of their assets? Bogey would be a very likely trade partner. You know, he'd he'd be somebody who, you know, because of his team option next year at $18 million, I think, or something like that, that's not a a really attractive deal to add $18 million on for Bogey, and, you know, he's going to play 50 games next year. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I saw a report today that said, you know, if the the Hawks are fine if they can't find a dance partner with trading for John Collins, that they're fine with keeping him. Okay, you better be fine with keeping him. You paid him one hundred and twenty-five. million. Million dollars. I mean, what'd you sign him for? If you weren't, you know, happy enough to keep him. So, anyway, we'll talk to Brad Rowland coming up here at the 7:40. Uh, Final Four in the NFL is set. Chip Carey, by the way, is off to St. Louis. He's going to uh, be the uh, Cardinals' uh, broadcaster. So we're uh, we're losing Chip Carey here locally. So we'll see who uh, who gets that gig. Maybe Ben Ingram or somebody like that. But uh, um, certainly, you know, this this is a very attractive job to be in with the Atlanta Braves and all the success that they've had here of late. All right, when we get back, what can the Falcons learn from the 49ers? I'll explain it next. Chuck Ray in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.
0: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. If your day sounds like... We need to report ASAP. You deserve Madela If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more rips, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the mark of the fight. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crowley Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back to more John Chuckery. No, no. No, I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9. The game.
1: Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuck, show live in the Kia studios on this Tuesday evening with you for the uh, full four. Talk to our buddy Brad Rowland coming up here in about 20 minutes from right now from Locked On Hawks. Try to figure out uh, what's wrong with this uh, Atlanta Hawks team. Five in a row and then they lose to really two teams that they should have beaten. Um, you know, especially when you consider that you know, they beat some pretty good teams along that five-game winning streak. But, uh, yeah, back-to-back, uh, or not back-to-back nights, but, you know, consecutive games that they have lost now to probably inferior opponents. So, 404 that's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey, absolutely catch us on the go. Social media is at nine on the game, at jmch316 on Twitter. He is at underscore uh, Dylan Matthews. <laughs> From the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line, Uh, there are easier ways to take off JC from work. Yes. I, I understand, you know, certainly the, um, certainly the weekend in the hospital was, uh, you know, not, not the most exciting thing, Um, you know, and they, they took me, uh, oh, and then, you know, I guess it was two or three weeks ago on Wednesday, I had a kidney stone and man. and, And, you know, listen, kidney stones are male pregnancy, you know, like it's, that's being pregnant when you're a guy, and I mean it put me in the emergency room again because I was just in pain and I got I they had the IV hooked in me, man. They shot me with that morphine and they shot me with toradol, man. I was I was good to go, man. I was groovy as could be, but man, when I tell you like it wasn't just my kidney stone, it was you know you can't relieve yourself, and I don't want it to get too graphic here, but. My bladder was so full, and I was so cramped up, like it was just agonizing pain. But that tore it all really actually made my, if anything else, it made my left knee feel a whole heck of a lot better. So we, uh, Ruby, baby. Yeah, we're, uh, we're back on the mend. So So what can the Atlanta Falcons learn from the 49ers? Do you know that the 49ers in the last 11 years have been in five conference championship games? Five times in the last 11 years, they've made the conference championship. Now, they haven't won a Super Bowl in that time, okay? But what can the Falcons learn? Have the 49ers had the same head coach through this whole run? No. They had Jim, you know, Jim Harbaugh was there. Kyle Shanahan's here. How about have they had the same quarterback? Have they had the same franchise quarterback? No. Do you know now that they've had three different quarterbacks? Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, Colin Kaepernick. Have they had elite quarterback play? No. I mean, they've had good quarterback play and Purdy's played pretty well. Jimmy Garoppolo's been a pretty good quarterback. Colin Kaepernick did some good things in the league, but they haven't had, you know, you know, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady type of quarterback play. But what have the the 49ers done consistently, no matter who their coach is, no matter who their quarterback is, no matter how many different quarterbacks they've run through? What do the 49ers do well? They are the best line of scrimmage team in the entirety of the NFL. Let me repeat that. They are the best line of scrimmage team in the entirety of the NFL. Right now, you look, offensive line. I don't know that there's a better offensive lineman in the entirety of the NFL, regardless of position, than Trent Williams. He's a first-team All-NFL player. He's arguably the best left tackle, and he might be the best overall offensive lineman in the entire of the NFL. And McGlinchey and those guys, they're always really good, and they've been good for this whole run. Defensively. Whether it's Alden Smith, Bosa, Eric Armstead, no matter who it is, what 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 was the kid's name? Justin Smith, right? No matter what they've had, they've always had elite defensive line play. When they played the Falcons in the playoffs several years ago, whether it's right now, they are on the offensive and defensive sides of the football the best line of scrimmage team. And so when we start talking about, you know, the Falcons need to spend money here, they need to spend money there, they need to trade for this quarterback and give up all these assets and things like that, you know, I say stay the course. The, the NFL is such a simple game. You know, we can talk about all the intricacies and different things like that. But at the end of the day, if you are great along your line of scrimmage, then you can rotate quarterbacks. You can have more than one. You don't have to have a franchise quarterback. You don't have to have elite wide receivers. You don't have to have elite tight ends. You don't have to have elite cover guys. You can get away with all of those things if you're the best at the line of scrimmage. And I've always had a very simple axiom about football that. When the referee places the ball on the ground, the closer to the football your great, your best players are located, the better your roster will be. And so, whether it's Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota, what have you, if you have elite line of scrimmage play on both the offensive and defensive sides of the football, you can win. Now, look. The 49ers haven't gotten over that magic hill and won the Super Bowl, and that's probably more tied into because you don't have some of the elite quarterback play. You don't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers and some of those guys, right? But the 49ers have been as good as an organization. And and by the way, we're a long ways removed from Joe Montana and Steve Young and Jerry Rice. Like those guys are not here anymore. The, the 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 Bill Walsh era and all the we're past all of that kind of stuff. You know? This isn't George Seifert taking Steve Young and inheriting him and going to the, you know, going to the Super Bowl and winning the thing. We're a long ways past all of those all of those times out there. But they are the best line of scrimmage team in the NFL on both their offensive and defensive sides of the football. And that's what wins. You know, when you are that good, you're always in the mix. Now, maybe you don't always make the Super Bowl. Maybe you don't win the Super Bowl. That comes a lot down to quarterback play. You know, when your quarterback is the MVP of the league, and I did this years ago, when your quarterback's the MVP of the league, you normally are most likely in the super bowl or usually at worst in the conference championship game you're winning the super bowl you're in the super bowl or worst case scenario and and it's like 80 something percent when your quarterback is the mvp of the league as far as being in the conference championship game and and in the super bowl like it it's an it's a staggering percentage wise and think about all the quarterbacks Cam Newton won the MVP. He went to the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan, the MVP, went to the Super Bowl. Rich Gannon, the MVP, went to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. The list goes on and on and on and on of those guys. And that's, you know, that's a lot of the difference between can you get there and win the Super Bowl? But if you want to be consistently good in this league, then you have to have outstanding line of scrimmage play. And it's why I get so frustrated when I see tight ends and wide receivers and things like that being drafted with our top picks. Now the Falcons offensive line played really well this year. You know, we'll talk about you know pro Football Focus has one free agent, every team in the league can't afford to lose. You know they've gotten some really good offensive line play. Lindstrom should have been first team all pro. He should have been the he should have been first team but you know again you know when you don't have that reputation and things like that uh, you know it's it is what it is it gets to be some popularity contest but Chris Lindstrom should have been first team all pro and they got they got Caleb McGarry's best year they were at least competent at left guard because they were incompetent the year before in fact they had the worst interior offensive lineman maybe I've ever seen in the NFL last year. They were at least competent. Jake Matthews is still a solid starter. He's not great. He's not elite. He's not Trent Williams, but he's solid enough. But that defensive line, and and look, they have done some good things. I think Taquan Graham was playing better, and, and he certainly, you know, he did the step forward from year one to year two. Grady had a really good year. Katie did some nice things. But we don't sack the quarterback enough. I, bottom line, you know, if you can't sack the quarterback in this league or, you know, if you're not a 40-sack team, your chances of going really far either to the playoffs, in the playoffs, or through the playoffs isn't very high. It's not coincidence that the Eagles and the Chiefs also are 1-2 in the league in sacks. And we've talked about that 40-sack number before. But you have to have outstanding line of scrimmage play. And it, it hasn't mattered to the 49ers, whatever quarterback. Listen, what was, what was Colin Kaepernick drafted? Was he a third-round pick? He was out of Nevada. Uh, I think it was a third-round pick. We know Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the last pick of the draft. And I think Garoppolo was a second-round pick that obviously the the 49ers traded for him. Was he he a third-round pick? He was actually the 36th overall pick, so he's second-round. Okay, so he was second-round pick. Yes. So whether you pick high, pick in the middle, pick at the bottom, wherever you pick, if you have great line of scrimmage play, you can win – and win consistently in this league. If you defensively, if you can't do anything else defensively. If you don't have great personnel or things like that, just as a heads up Jimmy G was the 62nd overall pick. So that's third okay. round, right? Okay. So was he's was third, yeah, uh, third round. Yeah. So so if he was 66, so um, barring any, you know, compensatory picks or anything like that, but those are normally fourth round picks. So so Second round, third round, Mr. Irrelevant. When you have that kind of line of scrimmage play. Now, where did, where, did, where did Bosa get drafted? Oh, I don't know. He was, what, third in the, what, was he the third overall pick or second overall pick? Second or third overall pick. You know, when you can change the dynamic on that side of the football, yeah, second overall pick, right? Eric Armstead was a first-round pick. I think I think Alden Smith back in the day, I think he was a first round pick. When you have those kinds of game changers on your line of scrimmage, Trent Williams, Bosa, Armstead, when you have those kinds of guys, you know, even the Arden and Keys and guys like that, when you're that good along your offensive and defensive lines, you'll be in every game. You'll win a lot more of those games and you'll lose. And it's the way to advance in the playoffs. So if there's a lesson that the Falcons can learn, you know, when they're talking about trading all this capital for quarterbacks, spending all this money, you know, drafting wide receivers and pass catchers and things like that, be great on your offensive and defensive lines of scrimmage. Line of scrimmage play, line of scrimmage play, line of scrimmage play. It's tried and true for what wins in the NFL. All right. When we get back, we're going to talk to our buddy Brad Rowland from uh, Peachtree Hoops, Locked On Hawks. We'll get his thoughts about uh, where we're at with this Atlanta Hawks team. Uh, a lot of frustration, and uh, it's just maddening. I mean, that's the only word I can describe it as is is maddening to watch the Atlanta Hawks right now. So we'll talk to Brad coming up here in just a few minutes. Chuck the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 910, The Game, The Odyssey.com app. <laughs>
0: Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing?
1: Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with your key Studios. Chuckery show. hanging out with you on this Tuesday night, taking it to 11 o'clock. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond Text Line to be a part of the show. Honestly, absolutely. Catch on the go. Social media at 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Get to a Falcons fly over here coming up at the top of the hour. Right now, though, we head out to the wadeford.com hotline. Host of Locked On Hawks, part of the Locked On Sports uh, Podcast Network. Brad Roland joins us here. He's on Twitter at BT Rowland to talk some Atlanta Hawks, and Brad, as uh, always, man, uh, glad to have you on board uh, with us. Certainly a frustrating last couple of, you know, few nights here with uh, back-to-back losses, and, you know, turnovers have really done this team in the last two games.
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird because usually that's a huge strike of the Hawks. They've been in the top two or three of the league the last two seasons, basically, in avoiding turnovers, and suddenly – uh, over about a 48-hour period, they just could not take care of the basketball. And it was really the biggest reason why they lost both games.
1: You know, it just feels like this team in, in some ways is so dysfunctional. You know, because, you know, to your point, they only average about 13 turnovers a game. And it's really cost them the last couple of nights. And then they come off of a five-game winning streak where they beat some good teams. Uh, I think they had won five in a row on the road. It, it just, you know... I don't know what it is, Brad, whether it's, you know, just health, back, back, uh, you know, uh, backstage drama. I, you know, I can't quite put my finger on, you know, the biggest thing that is holding this team back this year.
2: Yeah, it's really hard. It's, it's a little bit of everything in a lot of ways. I've pointed to the lack of depth for a while because it seems like when the Hawks, are at full strength, you know, during that winning streak, I think they had three games in a row or four games in a row where they were actually at full strength. And whatever they are, they seem to be pretty good. And then you you take one guy away, maybe two guys away, and the house crumbles. And part of that is because they don't have a lot of depth on this roster and uh, without going all the way down the rabbit hole, it's basically you know they didn't, re- they, didn't they didn't replace guys they don't have uh, at least they, they're not willing to go over the luxury tax line all, all kinds of things but it's a very thin roster in a certain in a couple of uh, different places and uh, that kind of takes away your margin for error and the other thing is this team offensively this year has not been what it's been the last couple of years and with a, a team built around Trey and this high powered offense that's kind of built this I don't know this this formula that was at least kind of effective the last couple of years. The biggest part of that was having an elite offense this year. The Hawks are like an average or below-average offense, and it's really hard for them to win games at a high, high level when they can't score at a high level because, you know, you saw in that winning streak they were scoring at the elite, at the elite level again, and then as soon as they stopped scoring at that level, they're back to being a five hundred team.
1: Host of Locked On Hawks on the Locked On Podcast Network, Brad Rowland joins us here in the waitforward.com hotline. Brad, do you feel like that when this team is healthy, that it feels like they can play with anybody. And, you know, again, top teams and everything, you know, you saw against Dallas, you know, it feels like that when they're at full strength, they can hang with anybody in the NBA. It's just, you know, when they start to get those pieces away, like you said, you know, and they start, you know, having a starter here and a starter there, they just can't recover. But it definitely feels like when they're at full strength, they can, they can match up with anybody in the NBA with their starting five. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I mean, if you look at the numbers even in the last couple of years, whenever they
2: have all of their core pieces in place, and obviously the core changed a little bit over the summer with Murray coming to town, but even as far as like their front court with Collins and Capella, it's not a perfect pairing, but – those guys have always produced when they play together. When you, when, you, when you throw in Trey with those two big guys, the results are always fantastic. And this has been a team this entire run, going back three years now, where their best is incredibly good, like you kind of allude to there. It's just that they have not been able to find that consistency level that other teams potentially have. They've had a really good half of the season the last two years. Their second half has been very strong, which maybe is a good sign for this year. But it's not they've not been able to go, go ahead and put, put together the whole 82 games. And not everybody does that. It's obviously a lot to ask to be consistent over that long of a period. But the Hawks have been pretty sleepy for, like, long stretches of time. And part of that's injuries and all that. But it's also part of this argument, too, is that you're never going to be full strength all season long. This is the NBA. You're, you can't rely on being the team that you want to be perfectly set up. And that's been the issue is that when they're not perfectly set up, they can't sustain. And like, it's not realistic to just bank on always being that team that is hundred percent healthy.
1: Brad, I brought this up on Friday and I'll ask you, do you think DeJounte Murray's the MVP of this team thus far? Uh,
2: I, I probably wouldn't say that, but I understand why you would. I mean, especially in, the, in this run recently, I thought that Wing Street for sure, he was the best player and the most valuable player. I think he had a, a pretty long stretch, in the middle of the year, maybe the early middle of the season, where he kind of had a swoon and the Hawks were not playing particularly well. Early in the year, he had a nice start. Um, You know, it's one of those things that's like, obviously Trey is the best player on the roster, but he's not having the best season. And I actually argue early in the year with Capella, was their most valuable player so far this year, just because of the fact that his, um, his defense anchored them and it was really the defense that carried them to some wins it in the season. Murray kind of does both, and I guess that's probably the best argument for him is that he's more of a two way player than Trey. I would still lean Trey's direction, but uh, acknowledging that he's not been his not, not been his best this year overall, I could see why you would think that about Murray because he is a very important piece of what he when he has it going, as we saw last week, the Hawks are a lot harder stuff.
1: And I say it because I really do think that and look, even go back to opening night against Houston, that there are Probably six or seven games that last year's Hawks would have lost had they not have had Dejounte Murray. Um, whether you know, listen, even even against Luca, when I, I think it was he was one for nine, um, you know, for the last nine minutes of that game, like it just feels like that there are games that had they not had Murray on the court, they would have lost a bunch of these games last year and been even really worse off than than where they're even at right now.
2: Yeah, I think part of the appeal of getting Murray in the first place was the ability to uh, make tough shots and take tough shots in a way that in previous years, we saw in the, in the playoffs, especially last season, I think his the trade to get him was kind of a direct reaction to that Miami series, but also only had one guy that could really create and make a tough shot, and it was Trey. And I think they all, they all kind of knew that. Maybe some McDonough and in there as well, but they, they really wanted to go out and fix that problem. DeJounte is uh, built for those moments. He likes those moments. He likes to get those. And uh, honestly, he's, he's a very adept, almost almost, almost too adept sometimes, at creating those tough mid-range attempts that are very valuable if you can make them. I think your point there is great in that he's going to have to uh, keep doing that, and I think he's pulled the game out of the fire as a result. The other side would be the Hawks, maybe they're not clicking at full strength all the time when they play together, but I think that, uh, again, that's, that's part of the appeal of having him is just having somebody else when Trey's not cooking, which has been happening more often this year than in previous years, to kind of have someone to go to and have him uh, pull games
1: out at the end. Host of Locked On Hawks, Brad Rowland joins us here on the waitfor.com hotline as we talk some Hawks basketball. Um, so it's the million-dollar question. You know, are they going to be buyers at the trade deadline? Are they going to be sellers? They're $1.9 million from the luxury tax. I really do believe that there's been a concerted effort, and I would even say that, you know, it, it may even be part of the reason why the former general manager isn't here now that, you know, Tony Ressler always said, if it, if it makes sense to go in the luxury tax, we'll go in it. But right now it hasn't made a whole lot of sense. So, do you think that they're buyers, sellers? Where do you think that they're going to be come trade deadline time?
2: Yeah, it's obviously like you said, a million dollar question. I do think that the, that the tax line is not a hundred percent threshold, but they've treated it like that. You know, going going back to the summer, I think they did some moves, especially the Kevin Herter trade, that were pretty much designed to get under that luxury tax line, and the consensus around the league is that the Hawks
0: are not likely to go
2: over that line. And you could certainly argue that. As a 500 team right now, but it wouldn't make a ton of sense to go over because, you know, why are you going to push into your chips now for the season that it's not a lost season, but you're not like in position to be a top two or three seed in the East either. There are ways to buy without going all in. I think there are contracts that the Hawks could move to where you could actually t- try to improve the roster and not add money. I think mean, Justin Holiday is a guy you could kind of circle. Maybe you maybe you do Justin Holiday in a in a draft pick kind of trade to get someone who is a little bit better than Holiday but also still makes manageable money. I think Bogdanovich is a guy you have to circle as someone who has eighteen million dollars in the books, who could be expendable more so now with Adrian Griffin kinda of having a breakout in the uh, last few months. And then of course there's John Collins who has been in rumors for basically three years now. So there are ways to make trades and maybe not full-on buy and go all in, but maybe tweak the roster without having to go over that tax line. I think what this recent winning streak did probably, though, is take away like the full-on sell option. I was asked a couple times a couple weeks ago, like could the Hawks sell at the deadline? I think that probably won't happen now because of the winning streak that they've had. They're sort of stabilized, at least to be in the playoff mix. And I think as long as that's the case, they're not going to sell. But there are ways to kind of buy on the margins, if that makes sense.
1: So, you know, during the five-game winning streak, you know, it's kumbaya and things were going well and and all that good kind of stuff. And then, you know, as soon as they, you know, lose to Charlotte, it's right back to we've got drama with Trey Young and Nate McMillan and their dust-up or whatever, the kerfuffle uh, that, that, you know, happened uh, on the sidelines the other night. I believe that Nate will not be here next year. Do you think that they – because something's got to shake up with this team. Do you think the coach is in play? Do you think that he will, you know, coach out the season? I mean, where do we stand with Nate McMillan? Yeah,
2: I think that it's likely um, at this point from what I have heard and what I understand that he will not be back next season – Um, As far as in-season is concerned, I think there's been even reporting out there that the Hawks almost want him to stay. Um, There was obviously the report out there that Nate wanted to at least consider resigning. And I think part of the reason why the Hawks would like him to stay around for now is because his bench is not full of, like, proven candidates. You know, when they fired Lloyd Pierce, they had a very natural successor to go to in Nate McMillan, who who had a proven track record. That it also worked out for, very well for them. This time around, they have some veteran assistant coaches. Joe Prunty's been around for a long time, but he's not Nate McMillan. He, he doesn't have that command to where if you fire Nate, you don't really have a backup plan in the middle of the season. And I know people are kind of uh, maybe fall in love with uh, external candidates, but no, no top-flight candidates is going to come in in the middle of the season from outside the organization. So I think they're kind of just holding the water for right now. Could that change? Could they have a miraculous run like, the, like, like, like what happened two years ago? for Nate to get reinvigorated and stick around and have uh, this thing come together. Sure they could, but I think from what I understand now, I would certainly be at least mildly surprised if he was back next year and maybe we'll see sort of that full cleaning of the house on the staff and maybe get a, a full overhaul because it's a lot of Nate, a lot of Nate's guys that are in there now. So maybe that'll change things. Uh, I'm sure the roster will change in some form too. They have some free agents, they have some ways to tweak the roster, but I certainly am uh, not, not quite on assuming, I'm not saying it's, de- I'm not saying it's done, but I think that Nate's not going to be back if I had to guess.
1: Brad, last question for you. How much has the -the behind-the-scenes drama within the organization, how much has that had an effect, do you think, on the actual basketball court? I mean, you know, we've heard terms like dysfunctional and, you know, like we've not heard glowing things, you know, in the Sam Amick uh, article, you know, that came out a couple of weeks ago, did not paint a pretty picture. But how much do you think is really affected – what's gone within just between the lines on the actual court itself. I I don't really believe it's been kind of a a real effect on there. I think that there's just a lot of other things within the parameters of the team, but how much do you think that the backstage drama, if you will, has had an effect on the court product?
2: I'm more on your side of this. I I think that, yeah, it's not great to have a, behind-the-scenes environment that's not going perfectly. Um, But I I tend to think that as far as on the court, it could be overstated how much impact there is between, you know, infighting in the front office in particular. They're they're just not with the team all that much. It's not that it's really the same environment. You know, locker room stuff can have a little bit more of an impact. You know, coach-player stuff can be a little bit more directly impactful. But as far as the front office and the organizational dysfunction, I tend to be on your side. It's not going to be as big of a deal. But I will say – you know, the biggest thing in an organization is when you come into the season and you've already kind of not gone all in but certainly pushed some chips in to get to Jonathan Murray and there's a mandate from the top down to win games and everyone feels pressure and then you don't win, that can kind of breed the negativity and the frustration that can kind of leads to some ugly results. So it's all part of the recipe, but I think for me the biggest thing with any NBA team is if you have expectations to win and you're not winning – no one's gonna be very happy. It's not be a, It's not. It's not a fun place to be all the time when, when you're not when you're not performing well. And as we saw last week, when they're winning, the vibes are great, and that's kind of the way it works. In the NBA: winning is good, losing is bad, and a lot of the stuff can be kind of viewed through that very, very uh, plain and also pretty obvious prism.
1: He's the host of uh, Locked On Hawks, your daily podcast, all things uh, Atlanta Hawks related. And uh, Brad is uh, on uh, Twitter at BT Roland and joined us here on the wait dot com hotline. Brad, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. We will chat again here soon. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. John Chuck, we're here. We will be back. Falcons flyover coming up top of the hour. Sports Radio 929 The Game and the Odyssey.com app.